going to come and minister to us at this time. Did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy come to make you new this child that you've delivered will soon deliver you Mary did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man Mary did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod and when you kiss your little baby you've kissed the face of God the blind will see the deaf The dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land and the sleeping child you're holding is the great And it was through Jesus that we have such a great 
and wonderful salvation. One of the great blessings that God has given to us. So have you counted your many blessings recently? Have you counted your blessings and named them one by one? In a speech by Abraham Lincoln back in 1863, he said this, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers. We have grown in wealth. We have grown in power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand that has preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined the deceitfulness of our hearts that in all these blessings, they were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that has made us. Amen. Well, it is true, we sometimes forget the gracious hand of God that has blessed us richly. Last week, we closed with this little course, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Why? Because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Why? Because of what the Lord has done for us. I want for us this morning to stand. And I want us to read together, as we read last week, a portion in the book of Psalm. Let's stand together and let's read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. This will conclude our Thanksgiving series. I know when we move into December, we're thinking Christmas. But let's just think Thanksgiving one more Sunday. And next week, I'm sure, uh, we'll have something more in the line of Christmas. Psalm 103. Let's read this together. Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you. You may be seated. David, in this psalm, he is talking to himself. Have you ever been caught doing that? Have you ever caught yourself talking to yourself? Well, David, as he begins this psalm, he says, I will praise 
God with everything that is in me. Everything that is in me will praise his name. Why? Because David is reflecting on all the good things that God has done for him and his people Israel. All the way through the history of Israel, God has blessed them. And David now is reflecting on all of those things. And what you just read was David counting his blessings one by one by one. And he mentions five of them here. And yet Israel, even though God has blessed them greatly, Israel was so quick to forget all the blessings of God. No sooner did they get across the Red Sea on dry ground when they started murmuring and whining and griping. You know, ultimately, when we complain, it's not our heart's response to circumstances, but it's our heart's response to God himself. Did you know that? When you complain, it's your heart's response to Almighty God. A heart of gratitude and thankfulness, it's not dependent upon your bank statement. It's not dependent upon a doctor's diagnosis. It's not dependent upon whether or not you got a raise at work. Thanklessness reflects your heart. And the Bible says it's sinful. And the anecdote to that is to remember. David says we need to remember God's gracious blessings and benefits. The fact that God has, has delivered us. That God has redeemed us. That God has rescued us. How can we not be a thankful people when we reflect upon all the things that God has done for us? Each of us. And so that's what David does in this psalm. He names them one by one. God forgives. God heals. God redeems. God crowns. God satisfies. He names them one by one. So let's look at these five benefits or blessings of God because we too are the recipients of what Israel is said to have here. Forget not all these things. What things? Well, first of all, he forgives all your sins. The greatest need of all of mankind today, the greatest need is to have his sins forgiven. Because sin separates us from God. We're not automatically born into a relationship with Almighty God. The Bible says we're born in sin. We have the sin nature. And that nature separates us from God. And so we need our sins forgiven in order to have a relationship with God. So we go all the way back to the book of Genesis. 
And, and we discover a man by the name of Adam. And, and Adam was created by God, and God gave Adam a, a, a certain commands of things he can do and cannot do. And one thing he could not do was eat of that forbidden fruit. And of course, as we do as well, when we're told not to do something, we do it. And so they ate. And the Bible says when they ate, they would surely die. And sin entered into the world through Adam. But God was willing to forgive. And so God, he made a sacrifice. He slew an animal. And the blood flowed from that animal. And, and God took the skin of that animal and covered Adam's body with it. Blood is always needed to bring about forgiveness. We move to the nation of Israel. What did God ask Israel to do? Take an animal when you have sinned and have it sacrificed on the altar and allow the blood to flow from that animal because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now we move a little bit further and in comes Jesus into the world. And Jesus dies on an old rugged cross. And in that death, his blood was shed for the remission of sins. Now, mankind can be forgiven through his blood. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, we read, Without blood, there is no forgiveness. Without blood, there is no remission of sins. And we also know that uh, from the uh, hymn writer who asked the question, what shall wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's through Jesus' blood that we are forgiven. You know, the Bible is a bloody, bloody book. It is. From cover to cover. It's all about blood. In God's sovereign plan he chose that blood would be used to bring about forgiveness without blood without forgiveness we will remain eternally separate separated from God forever but because of God's great love for us he sent Jesus into this world for God he so love the world that means you god loves you more than you will ever know and god loved you so much that he was to send jesus into this world it was the baptist john who saw jesus coming and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and in matthew chapter 1 his name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mary, did you know that your little boy would be heaven's perfect lamb? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would come to save your sons and daughters? That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save people from their sins. But it has to be on God's terms. Because the Bible says that we need to believe in Jesus. 
believe that he really did die on the old rugged cross. He really did shed his blood so that I might be forgiven. The Bible says believe in Jesus and be saved. And be saved. And be assured of a home in heaven. And we become then new creations. Now our Bible says all things have passed away and behold, all things now have become new. Our whole relationship with God changes in that moment that you trust Christ as your Savior. Everything becomes new. And so again, the lyrics of the song, Mary, did you know that your baby boy came to make us new? The psalmist goes on to say, over in verse 10 of this same chapter, 103, God now does not treat us as our sins deserve. Think about that. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. God loves you. You can't change that. People think today, you know, if I, if I just do something bad, God's going to stop loving me. He can't. It's his nature to love. He loves unconditionally. That doesn't mean we go along our way and we just behave the way we want to. No, God gives us instructions on how to live. But God never stops loving us. He never stops loving us. He takes away our sins and he doesn't treat us the way we actually deserve to be treated. <laughs> you know, we, we don't deserve to be favored by God and to be under his grace and mercy and love. We don't deserve that. But God doesn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated. He's taken away our sins and he loves us. So David begins to count his blessings and the first one is he forgives all our sins. He then goes on to say, and he heals all your diseases. He heals all your diseases. Healing is often linked to Jesus' dealing with sin on the cross. For example, there are several places we read back in the book of Isaiah, chapter uh, 53. It says this, Surely uh, he took up our pain, speaking about Jesus. He bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, or by his stripes, King James, we are healed. We read in 1 Peter these words, he himself, Jesus, he, he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Ultimately, Sickness is a result of sin. We know that. Because of Adam's original sin, we live now in a fallen world. And these bodies of ours are subject to death and will die. 
It is appointed unto man once to die. These bodies were not made to last. These bodies wear out. And I know when we come into church, uh, we often talk about different things like our minds aren't what they used to be. I was saying to someone this morning, we were talking about not being able to remember things. And I said, I said, you know, one day I had a, um, something that had to do with the bank. I had to deposit a check. And I got in my car. I was on my way to Millersburg, and I drove right by BB&T. I came back from Millersburg. I'm holding the check in my hand. I drove the second time right by BB&T. The th a third time during the day, I left. I was going, I think, the giant. With the check in hand, third time drove by BB&T until I finally came back and remembered. These bodies are not what they used to be, nor will they be until Jesus comes back. These bodies are subject to decay. They're falling apart. They get sick. Now the word here, in, the word heal in verse 3 uh, can mean spiritual or physical. The context of what we read here with forgiveness before it and redemption after it, it appears to be spiritual healing. Do I believe God heals physically? Of course he does. We know that. That's why we have prayer meeting. That's why we pray for those on our prayer list because we believe that God will heal. Does he always heal? Of course not. We don't always know the plan of God. But we pray. And we hope so. But we don't always know so. But someday, because of the death and victory of Jesus over death and the grave, these bodies that are falling apart, one day will be glorified. You see, we're waiting for new bodies. These bodies are not going to be... God is going to give to us new bodies, fully healed, bodies meant for heaven. Until then, God's grace is sufficient. No, God doesn't always heal. The example is, of course, the Apostle Paul. Here's the Apostle Paul who had some infirmity, some disease, and we're not exactly sure what that is. But he goes before God, he goes before the throne of grace and says, God, take this away. Three times he pleads with God, and God says, no. That thorn in your flesh will remain, but my grace will be sufficient. We're counting our blessings. The third blessing David mentions is he redeems your life from the pit. He redeems your life from the pit. The context is God's deliverance from Egyptian bondage. That Israel was coming through the Red Sea free of being slaves to the people in Egypt. God delivered them. God rescued them. God brought salvation to them. Mary, did you know that this child that you've delivered will soon 
deliver you? See, the Bible speaks of redemption, being rescued, being delivered from our sins. There's a wonderful story back in the Old Testament, uh, the story of a prophet, his name is Hosea. And uh, this little minor prophet in the book of Hosea is told by God, you go and marry this woman. Her name was Gomer. And so Hosea goes and marries Gomer, and Gomer becomes unfaithful to him. She goes and leaves him, and she goes and wanders and gets in all kinds of trouble, and she finds herself standing on an auction block, being sold into slavery. And God says to Hosea, now you go to that auction, and you make sure you pay the highest price and buy her, your wife, back off that auction block, which is what he does. Now, this is a wonderful picture of Israel, who has been unfaithful to God time and time and time again. And yet God still loved them and blessed them. Hosea went to the auction, paid the price, and bought back his wife. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says you have been bought with a price. Did you know that? That you too, you have been bought with a price. You say, why did I have to be bought? The Bible says Jesus bought you out of the slavery of sin. Sin has this grip on us. Sin has such a hold on us. Paul understood that. In Romans chapter 7, where Paul said, you know, there are some things I do, I know I shouldn't, but I do them anyway. And it's hard for me to find within me the ability to, to do anything else. And some things over here, I know I should be doing those things, but I don't do them. And Paul struggled with sin. And he speaks about being a slave to sin which all mankind is. We're born in sin. And so we need to be rescued from that sin. And redemption means to be bought out of slavery. And Paul said in Romans chapter 7, after he speaks about the great struggle that he has with sin, he says this, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But thanks be to God who delivers me, who rescues me, who redeems me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came to give his life a ransom. Jesus came to pay our debt that we could not pay ourselves. But we weren't bought, Peter says, with silver and gold. No, it wasn't the money that bought us out of slavery but it says the precious blood of Jesus is what saved us. David goes on as he's counting these blessings. He says, and crowns you with love and compassion. He crowns us with love and compassion. In Sunday school this morning, we watching a video by David Jeremiah, and he speaks about love. 
unconditional love. Not only the love that God has for us, that agape love, but it's that same love that we then are to have for others. That we are to love others as God has loved us. Have you ever sat down and thought through how much God loves you? This word crown has the idea of surrounding or encircling. I think once again of Hosea. And Hosea did not simply redeem Gomer and just free her from bondage. But he takes her back to himself in order that he might again love and cherish her. God has redeemed us. He has done that. He has bought us out of sin's slavery. But not simply because he took pity on us, but because he wants a relationship with us. God wants to love us, and he wants for us to love him back. That's what God wants to do in our relationship. He wants to love us, but he wants us to love him as well. My wife was uh, received from our one granddaughter uh, a little plaque that is on the windowsill uh, above our sink. And it says this. I love that you are my grandma. You know what God says to you this morning? God says to you, I love that you are my child. You will never know how much God loves you. And he'll never stop. Nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. God says, I love that you are my child. We are crowned with his love and his compassion. He is passionate about us. He loves us to death. He really does. That's a great blessing to know how much God cares and loves each of us. But David's not done. Who satisfies your desires with good things. You know, as I was studying this word satisfied, uh, it's, it, the idea here is you're full, you're content. I, the, my mind went immediately, and I was studying this prior to the meal last night, as good as that meal was last night, but as I was studying this earlier this week, my mind went back to the turkey meal at Awana on a Wednesday. And I walked into the church several times, and I could smell the turkey roasting in the oven. I don't know how many times, I think sometimes I just came down just to smell it. <laughs> but several times I walked through the church, and each time it seemed to get stronger and better. It was like I was just anticipating this meal that starts at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. 6 o'clock arrives, and you know Kim and her crew, they have everything laid out on the table and all the desserts, and I help 
do a little bit of serving. And at 625, that's when everything shuts down. The kids all leave the fellowship hall. They go to their classes, and it's our turn. <laughs> and I remember filling this plate with the turkey and mashed potatoes and just eating and loving until I was full and content and satisfied. I kept thinking about that event when I read this verse, that God satisfies. It's God who fills us. It's God who brings contentment to us. It's in God that we find true satisfaction. It's in God alone. You know, when we're kids, it might be a new bike or a doll or a video game, and we think, boy, if I just had that, I wouldn't need anything else if I just got that new whatever it might be. Then we become teenagers. We think satisfaction is found in good grades or athletic accomplishments or maybe a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Then we become adults, and it's a bigger house, it's a better job, it's a newer car. And as soon as you get that thing or person, you discover very quickly you want more. Because things and people do not ultimately bring satisfaction. We've been duped into thinking that this world satisfies and we grasp all of these things the world has to offer. When God says, I satisfy. I am the only one who ultimately can bring about the desires of your heart. It's God and God alone. Mary, did you know this sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. It's that I am. It's that sovereign God of the universe that brings about satisfaction. So the challenge is to continue to count our many blessings. David mentions five. Five big ones. These Blessings that God has done for each of us. Don't forget them. Don't forget Israel. It was so forgetful. Don't forget the blessings of God. Don't forget what God has done for you. We named a few today, but the, the list goes on and on and on. It's endless. We today, we have so much, so much to be thankful for. And so I invite you to take your hymn book and turn with me to hymn number 569. It's actually the um, title of the series that we've been going through. Count your many blessings and name them one by one. And you will see all the things that God has done. Let's stand together, please. And we'll sing all four stanzas and we'll be dismissed.
When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, think all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the crossing be you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, free doubt will fly. And <laughs> days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you look at others with their lands and gold, Think that Christ has promised his wealth untold. Count your many money cannot buy your reward in heaven nor your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. It's over all. <coughs> Help and comfort give you to your journeys and Count your blessings, name <laughs> Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Let's close with the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amen. Father, we are thankful people this morning. Father, for all the things you've done on our behalf. 
we are grateful. Lord, help us to continue to be thankful and grateful people. Help us, Lord, never to forget the benefits and blessings that you have poured out upon us. We are your children. We are the work of your hand. We are yours. And we thank you for the great love that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.